introduce ourselves as Billy and Jean when my wife's with me. And the Jean of Billy and Jean tonight is in Kansas City. You might wonder, well, where's your wife tonight? She's in Kansas City, and Lord will and I join her tomorrow. <clears throat> I have a great respect for the Word of God, just like you do. And I'm so glad to be in a church that honors the Word of God like this. And to know that I'm among true believers, it's, a, it's an encouragement. Um, the wisdom books are so special, aren't they? Kind of right in the middle of the Bible, you start off with Genesis, and it tells us uh, the history and the beginning of everything. What scientists wouldn't really want to know? That's really the truth. I want to study that book closer than I have been. And then you've got the history and the history of Israel, and, uh, and then come the wisdom books, and then we go into the prophetic books. And what a treat we have in the Word of God to honor like that. And, and then when the Old Testament, that 400-year gap, and then we get to the birth of Christ and the four Gospels, and then the Acts, the, uh, the church is on the move, and then all the, all the epistles that tell us doctrine and how to wear this stuff, and then Revelation. Wow. So we'll go back to the wisdom books. The, the book of uh, Proverbs has always been special to me. I know that Jeff, about five years ago when we started coming here, Jeff was uh, going through it and really enjoyed it. I got this, uh, and then Russ has been through it as well. So I hope it's not tiresome to you. But as you know, there's 31 Proverbs, and we kind of took that as a clue when we were raising our children. Let's read a proverb every day. If it's, if it's June 20th, we'll read Proverbs 20. We didn't do that 365 times a year, but we got a lot of Proverbs read, and there's always something fresh for us. So if you turn with me tonight to Proverbs 3, while you're turning there, I, I, my style is a little bit maybe tonight that I would like for you to camp out in Proverbs 3, and we'll make it maybe through halfway. I know, I know there's kind of a, not a bell that rings, but usually about a 30-minute timer that we say, hey, my, my bottom's getting a little sore. It's about time to go. So I'll try to respect that just as you've respected that. I, I, I want to be a good steward of your time here. Um, but like... On Sunday morning, we noticed that if, if Jeff is in Isaiah, if he wants to say something in another book, they've got those slides that are so helpful. I just love that. I don't have the slides prepared, but I, I do have uh, some markings in my Bible where I'll go to a couple verses. You can certainly follow me along or just feel free to uh, camp out in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, and I'll read it. But you can, I'll, I'll tell you where we're going if we go to some other places. And like I said, I'll try to tie a bow on this, maybe... About halfway through Proverbs 3, and uh, we'll just have some little fellowship at the end here. So, Lord, we, we ask you that, that you open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. And saying that, Lord, we recognize that we won't understand it if you don't help us, if you don't teach us and shine the light in our hearts, not only the things said, but the things heard. And we also, when we say that, we also understand that there's wonderful, wonderful things. We've seen them before, and we want to see them again to glorify you and edify one another as we gather around the Word. In Jesus' name, we ask you to do that. Amen. So, we start off on, in Proverbs 3 where it says, For My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So, we start off by this father relationship and how important it is. And, of course, God's the one that established the family, and he gave the Mother, you'll, if, if you'll, this one you could turn to. Just turn back to Proverbs 1 and verse 8. You'll see a similar thing where uh, Psalm, uh, Solomon says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Isn't that a wonderful uh, system God put in place, the first institution before the church? 
uh, before government, it was the family, Adam and Eve and, and the boys and the girls later. And, uh, and we, we, we have, we're all part of a family. Everybody that's here for sure has a mother and a father, and many of us have children of our own and even grandchildren of our own. And we see the importance of uh, learning about obedience through obeying the mother and father first. What a, what a, a head start that is for children to uh, obey their parents in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. We kind of reverse that now. Uh, parents, obey your children. <laughs> but um, it's a wonderful start here as he's saying, uh, forget not my law, but let your, my heart. That would be another emphasis besides my son. I would emphasize, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So reading that, I was reminded about the heart and uh, how it's, it's not the outward conformity that God wants is just to obey in the heart. And I know we've, we've all obeyed and conformity. Yes, sir, I'll do it. And we hate it. And we pray that we might lovingly obey not only our, our earthly fathers and see obedience in the schools. And uh, you'll see obedience in athletic teams uh, or disobedience. You'll see it in schools. You know, really a, an institution, a family, a, a nation can rise or fall on the obedience of the generations coming up. And we're all... and. Also, a father's not out from under obedience, aren't we all under the authority of God? So, uh, a lot's packed up if we wanted to kind of look, like, look at that. My son, forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. A father wants his children, a mother wants their children to obey from the heart. And he's given us an insight to how God looks at us. He wants us to obey from the heart willingly. Uphold me with a willing spirit, David said. Um, and then we also know in Proverbs, there's a verse, just, um, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's such a key steering. It's your emotions, the seat of your thought life. And we know just some examples in the Word of God. It's always good to see other people in their hearts. And you probably, if you're familiar with the book of Daniel, you know that before Daniel went into captivity and had all these things happen to him, there was trials and tribulations each time. The Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart. And uh, it's just an admirable thing when somebody just sets their foot down. I'm going I'm to obey God. I'm going to purpose in my heart to do this. And there's a, there's a verse in Ezra where it's speaking about Ezra himself. And it says, Ezra, Ezra, listen to this little synopsis of what he did with his heart. He prepared to, his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach it. Isn't that wonderful? He wanted to be not only obey it himself, he wanted to seek it, understand it, and that the progressed, but progression too, and then to do it before he teaches it. <laughs> I don't want to just go out and hey, look, look at me, look how much I know. No, he wanted to seek the law. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach it. Those are all admirable things, aren't they? And that's a good order to do it in. And really, you need all three, especially if you're going to teach it. You ought to seek it and be doing it. And that's how we are, parents with our children. Um, and then, of course, we know not only did Daniel do that and Ezra do that, but we're to do that. Thy word have I hidden in my heart. That's David speaking. Doesn't it speak of us, though? I'm sure you've got some verses memorized. Thy word have I hidden in my heart. I purpose to do that so that I might not sin against me. How many times has a verse come up in your mind and, and led you in the right path or away from the wrong path because you've hid it in your heart? So... Uh, in verse 2, it says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. So length, and days, length of days and long life. I know that we can't. That's not a general rule. But if you obey 
you know, the commandments, you're going to live to be at least 100. That, that doesn't play out generally, does it? Proverbs is like this. These are general statements that have exceptions, not in a way that we'd think that, like, oh, then God's not consistent, that God's not truthful. No, these are general applications that we'll see. Uh, we've all had friends who have had a godly family and godly, uh, Job, I mean, let's look, point at him. His, his children didn't long, live a long life. And uh, it just things happen in this fallen world. We don't blame that on their misbehavior for uh, when they follow it. We blame it on the fallen world and, and God's sovereign ways that one day we'll understand. There's still a mystery about God. His ways are beyond, uh, way beyond us, and he's always working for our good. We know those truths, can't we? We can plant our feet on those truths, even in the mystery of it all. But, um, so it's really an idiom for abundant life. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, um, a purpose-filled life. I, I've got a, uh, some family members that don't know the Lord. And now that we're getting into our middle years and older years and we look back on our lives, and I'm so glad the Lord saved me when I was 22 years old and I had an opportunity to get married to a Christian lady and, and raise, raise our children in the admission of the Lord. It doesn't happen to everybody. I know we've all got different pasts, but um, it's, it's, it's sad to see people that have, have not gotten that, uh, these the abundant life, the, the fulfilled life, the purposeful life. And then he says, for length of days and long life and peace shall he add to you. Peace is, is just one of the real benefits of, a, 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 of a obedience to God's words. You know, it's, it's, these are going to follow. As we, as we hear the first verse where he says, forget not thy law and keep your commandments, there's going to be, if you do this, and there's a lot of ifs then in the Bible, um, his love is unconditional, but his blessings come through obedience like that. And uh, peace is one of those wonderful benefits. And then verse 3 is an interesting verse. It says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them on the table of your heart. Um, you picture these two when you put them around their neck. Uh, uh, it's, it's like a necklace. In fact, uh, see where that was. Let me uh, let, mer- let not mercy and truth forsake thee. It's kind of like uh, chocolate and peanut butter. They they just go together. Mercy and truth. Um, you know, in in the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter one, it says, "Law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ." And those two go together. You know, it's the truth of God that convicts and that runs that hard line. That I love truth because there's so many lies. Don't we in this 2023 come to love and admire the truth more and more? Because it seems to be uh, overcome sometimes with so many lies of things that are so obviously true. And thank God through spiritual eyes, the natural man does not discern. But through spiritual eyes, we can discern this. And it's a joy to see through lies Saying that, I know that we're all deceived to some extent, and, and when we think we stand, we fall. But we know confidently, too, we can say like this, we don't have to be wishy-washy about it. The Lord's implanted truth in our heart. He has given us the spirit of truth and discernment. And so we can wade through these things and see it. And I'm so glad. But truth is, can stand, if it stands alone without that mercy or grace with it, it's awful hard. Uh, we don't want to raise our families and just, you know, the the out-of-balanceness of a father who just uh, uh, toe the line, toe the line, and there's no mercy or grace. And this is how we're told to live our life. Uh, um, speak the truth in love. It's always that, that balance. And so I love this, what he says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck. You almost get a picture. It's a neck. I mean, they're going to have to hang pretty close if they're on the neck. And it's an outward thing that others can see. 
in the next verse, we're going to find it says, uh, So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Well, man can see things that are outward like that. They can see that only God can see the heart, and we're in favor with God because when he looks at us, he may see, of course, he sees our, our physical bodies, but he's really looking at the heart like David's brothers lined up. And he said, that's the one. These other guys were tall and handsome or whatever. David's was the shorter, ruddy one, kind of young, youthful. Nobody would have picked him. God did because he looks on the heart. And know that about your own walk. When we walk, God knows our thoughts. He knows our heart. And that's a, an awesome thing because if my heart's uh, running from him or wicked or wanting to sin, that should, knowing that should bring me back because I, I reverence, I fear God. Proverbs is all about that fear and that keeps the guardrail on over there. But also it gives me confidence and John speaks of this in 3 John um, that we can have confidence toward God as, as he, we know that he knows our thoughts. So uh, bind them about thy neck. Uh, The, the verse I wanted to go to on this, if you'll hold with me, I'm, you can come with me or just let me read it. It's a couple of verses out of 2 Timothy. And it talks about this, this uh, warfare of truth. So we're talking about mercy and truth. This is to, to back up for a moment, we're in warfare in this world. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And our weapons are truth as the sword of the Spirit. But also, it needs to be done in a certain manner. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, it's real important to Paul to tell this to Timothy. And he's telling us to, uh, this to us right now as we read the word of God that's alive for us. He says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but must be gentle unto all. There comes that mercy, love, truth, you know, that, that goes with truth. Because he knew that Timothy knew the truth. But here's, here's that other thing that you must wear as a necklace, the two of them. Let, let, let bind them together. And I hope that as you know more and more truth, and I, I love the way that our pastor often says, speaking the truth in love. And he can talk, to, he can, we can use that in context of whoever we're talking about. Now, how, no matter how far away they are from truth, we speak the truth, but we do it in love. He must be gentle unto all, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that you're speaking. And that's a, a gracious ornament to wear when you bring it like that. We'll catch a lot more with, what do they say, with, uh, with uh, honey. Uh, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So we're really in this disguised world where we have eyes to see things that many people don't. We see the spiritual side. It's, it's a giant warfare, and our tools are grace and truth, mercy. Let not grace and mercy, uh, not let, let my mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck and write them on the table of thy heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Well, he certainly works out this. As, as you get blessings from obedience, you know, you always heard about the the, the vertical relationship that we have with God that starts it all, and then the horizontal relationship, and that covers it all. Jesus said the greatest of this thing is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. We're covering it all. And, uh, and so shall you find favor with God and man. What a blessing. There, there's, there's commandments to do in Proverbs, and then there's blessing. You know, and I would use the word pithy. I, perhaps you've heard that word when you think of Proverbs. 
It's not a lot, lot of redundant words that have no meaning or just you know, long, 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 long sentences that you're trying to put it together. They're pithy. They come at you quick. They're very insightful and they're very helpful, uh, pertinent to your life. Every proverb. That's, what, that's another thing I love about them. Um, I wanted to give you an example of somebody who uh, deals in mercy and truth and, and is a soldier like what Paul was telling Titus. I'm going to read from Proverbs uh, 19, verse 11. Perhaps you remember this when it says, the discretion, of, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The, the picture I'm painting here is that somebody did something to a Christian, I'd hope, and that could make him angry, and everybody's watching this person's reaction. But it's his discretion that he defer. It says he defers anger. He's work, he's dealing in truth and mercy and grace. And then the next part of that proverbs, you know, it's usually a one-two punch in proverbs. The discretion of a man defers anger, and it's it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Now that's not the way of the world nowadays. If if you hit me, I'm going to hit you. If somebody else wrongs you, you you honk twice back at them. You know, we want to get back at them. It's all about that. But the word glory is used. Isn't that a great uh, introduction to the word glory when talking about a man? God gets the glory, but that's a reflection of who God is in mankind, and, and it's done with a gentle spirit. And I just love that about the, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about their neck. Write them on the table of your heart. You're going to find favor with God and men. That's an attractive thing for, for mankind to see another one dealing in grace and truth like that. You get, you get respect. And then we come to those verses that uh, maybe this is something you've memorized. They're very uh, thrust right into the Proverbs. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have these verses memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. I, I remember going to a camp when I was a youth minister about, oh gosh, 40 years ago. And we played this game called Trust, where you're teaching the young people what trust is. And it's probably a fairly good analogy, but not a perfect analogy. I, I remember the first time I did it. I'm, I'm pretty big, but this guy, he was really heavier than me. And he was up in like a, a loft where they really wanted to exaggerate this thing. And there was about six of us, maybe three on each side. Okay, guys, put your hand out and catch this guy as he with a blindfold falls backwards. And we, the leader of the group was not very uh, savvy about logistics of things. <laughs> He was too big to fall from that uh, height, and we just barely caught him. And I was on that end, so I thought, man, I, I don't know. I don't want to be on that end now. We just, it, it just like, it felt like, t- you know, really tugging at us. It was a trust game. But if you've ever played that, I know that a lot of y'all have seen that or played that. It really is an amazing thing to close your eyes and just lean back and trust somebody. Of course, we can do that with God. So that's where the analogy kind of falls. Like after that game, I thought, I don't think I'm going to do that again. I, I can trust God, but, and I guess I could trust um, them or God with them through me. But I think of that when I think trust in the Lord because uh, life has many mysteries that we just don't see, but God sees. And so we, I think through life, through, through reading the word of God, through maturity, through uh, experience after experience, we learn to trust God with all of our heart. And, and that's a wonderful thing as you follow the word of God and, and let him uh, pair you away and you enter into maturity. Never... Never perfection, of course, but always uh, getting uh, you know, the, the process of sanctification. Um, 
we trust him, even when we don't understand him. And that, that, it wasn't that the, what the book of Job was about. Job did not understand. There was no way for him to understand what was going on. He didn't even understand that Satan was at the midst of this. There was so much unseen for Job, but he just, just kept trusting the Lord. Perfectly? No, not perfectly. But the whole, again, Job was one of those wisdom books. He teaches you, well, where's God when you have all these tribulations? Well, we'll, we'll find you. Stick with it. Trust him. And... Uh, so trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understandings. His, his ways are past finding out. So when it says lean not into your own understanding, that, to me this is a special word for 2023 because science has made so many uh, advances, uh, good medical advances, true advances, but it's, it's gone really quirky now. You know what I mean by that word probably, that science has taken over a lot of people's mind and, and here's the Bible and here's science and they almost say something like, the Bible versus science. Like, which one do you believe? You have to take a pick because science is definitely against the Bible. And, of course, we see the, the purity of what God does. He's, he is the, the ultimate scientist. He knows all about science. He invented all of our physics laws and gravity and all those things. So it's not the preeminence of science over the Bible. It's the preeminence of Bible over science, and you interpret science by looking at the Bible. And this has been done all these years. I mean, all the Christian science that have found out wonderful discoveries, they've, they've, they've gotten their hints through the Word of God, the radar system through bats, and just so many things like that. So, but I think that's one of the strategies of the evil right now, that do, do you side with the Bible, which is kind of frivolous and weird and, and just impossible? Or do you, do you want to look at all the scientists and these wise people of the world? You see that battle going on, and we need to see through that and speak truth and mercy to that in, great, in a gracious way. Um, I think of, uh, I, I mark this, Proverbs has its living out. It's kind of fun to read in the Old Testament and find a, a, the similar truth in the New Testament but Colossians 2, remember Colossians was where, man, they were believing all kind of things because wisdom ruled the day. And the, uh, here they were thinking they were so smart. And so Paul had to write to the Colossians and in chapter, uh, people there, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That's the battle that was going on in the Garden of Eden, hath God surely said. It's the battle that's going on 2,000 years ago in Colossae, and it seems to have been revved up more. Uh, it's kind of exciting to live nowadays, isn't it? Because the, the battle is really intense. And whether you're a little boy or a little girl or a grown woman or a grown man, we are all soldiers, and we need to see that and uh, equip ourselves to that because it honors God when we know that and we fight with the, the, the weapons of his warfare that are spoken of even in little old Proverbs 3. Um, Lean not into your own understanding. I remember hearing about a man. Uh, this is an example of leaning on your own understanding. He, he, he was a man who wanted to marry a man, and he wanted it to be all right with God. And so he had a, I'm sure he had a sincere heart that, you know, as far as he knew. But what he wanted to do, he got get so much flack from people saying, no, you really won't find that in there. You know, God loves you, but you, uh, that's not the lifestyle God has for you. He's not going to endorse that. Well, he said, I'm going to take off work and study this. He, he got it in his, all his Bibles, his uh, all kind of Greek words, and he, he just went through the whole thing. And after two years, he said, yeah, I was right. I, I've studied it, and God, it's okay with God. And it's just, to me, an example. You, you could give him another 100 years to study that. You know, if he doesn't, man is not going to find out the wisdom. And again, let's read that verse. Trust not in the Lord. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. And that needs to really be 
the call of the day because this world is leaning into its own understanding and, and taking God out of the schools of all places when we try to get understanding and you take the, the very teacher of teachers out of that. It's, it's, a, it's good to know the lay of the land, but it can be discouraging until you, there's, there's great hope, though. We have, the, uh, we have something on our side, and it's truth, and it's light and darkness uh, has to flee when the light comes. It's, a, it's beautiful analogies all over that all we have to do is just, just walk through it and, and let God teach us and give us that confidence as we do these things. Um, it's better to say, I hope that it doesn't come a, a, like a mechanical thing that I just do because it's a, a ritual, but in Psalms 119, verse 18, it says, Open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And I was praying that tonight. And I say it every time to myself when I open the Word of God. And to me, it means these things. Open my eyes that I may behold. I, if you don't do it, Lord, I'm not going to see it. And that's how we trust, not in our own understanding, but lean unto Him. He will do it. He wants. To. Not only can He do it, He will do it. And then the last part of that verse says, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And there ought to be something in, the, in this study that's really just like, that's wonderful. I, you know, that's helpful. Uh, there's a, I don't want to come to a Bible study not anticipating. Jeff has talked before about, and I know Jeff's going to be prepared, and I know if my heart doesn't get anything from, from a sermon, it's probably, I better go look within. But open my eyes and I might behold wondrous things out of your law. I'm not depending on my, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm trusting in God. And that's that way we even uh, study the Bible. Now, um, I'm aware of the time. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be. I'm just going to give you a little reestat for your seat. How about about another 10 or 15 minutes or so? Um, we're on verse 7, but uh, I think we're about halfway through time-wise. So, verse 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. This is kind of the opposite of the last verses when, when he was saying, uh, Trust in the Lord and, and lean not into your own understanding. I'm sorry, I, I don't think I spent a little time on verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I'm sorry I jumped up on that. but um, In all your ways acknowledge him. We should ask counsel of him in everything that we do. Lord, is this what you'd have me do? In all your ways acknowledge him. Um, again, in Proverbs, here's a proverb, 28 verse 26. It says, he that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely, he shall be delivered. Y'all are probably familiar with Psalm 19 and where it says, uh, toward the last of Psalm 19, it says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep me back, keep thy servant back also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. You know what I've done, and I apologize for this. When I, t- I, t- I went to the bottom of page two instead of the bottom of page one, <laughs> so I jumped ahead on you. So let me go back to, to where we were. And uh, he, it's the part in verse six that says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And that's when I was talking about, uh, Open mine eyes, and I might behold. 
there's a, there's a verse in Genesis 24, and, and you remember Genesis 24? It's when they were going to get uh, Isaac a bride. And Abraham t- asked his servant to go do this, and the servant just bathed it with prayer. He said, you know, I'm supposed to go in another country and find a bride for your son and bring, him back, bring her back without him going there, sight unseen, and she's going to agree. So this involved a lot of prayer. And, and uh, Eliezer went. That was Abraham's servant, and he went, and... I guess a three or four day travel with all the camels and Rebecca, uh, with, he, brought, um, he, he brought all the camels and good things and he saw Rebecca and she was beautiful and according to the prayer, you know, he wanted to make sure that she was the one by, she, it was, she would dip the water and say, can I get for your camel? She was very gracious that way. And then they were, he was explaining to her family how it came about and he just said these words. He says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. And uh, when it says, he shall direct thy paths, I... I hope you have stories, too. I know you do. I'm the one talking, and I'm sorry to, to hog that, but I want to tell you something. Just, this is an example of, in my life, how, and he shall direct thy, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he direct, shall direct thy path. A couple of years ago, I knew I had a little extra time in my life. Um, I wasn't filling my days as, as full as I thought God had me, and, I, and I'm still had, you know, young enough to do some things, and I was just praying. I, I, I've been a school teacher before. I just loved children. I've taught in Dallas and hadn't taught for a while, though. And Jean came home one day and said, uh, the nurse that I was talking to asked if uh, she knew anybody that would t- could teach math and Bible. And those are two of my favorite subjects. And it's a little school that had just opened about three years ago. It's got like 50 students. They go from kindergarten to eighth grade. It was right down my alley because I've been an elementary school teacher and I just love that. So that's what I've been doing the last two years. And I just think of that as I hope, uh, let, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, say what the God's doing in your life. And uh, I know that you have some things like that when you, when I being in the way, the Lord led me. And then you look back and see how he did it. And it's just a beautiful thing how he did that. So I'm sorry that I scrambled the verses a little bit, but that's what I had to say about verse 6. And all the, your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And I hope that you can look back on your life. I'm sure you can and see a lot of ways that he has directed you. Directed you to your spouse. Directed to you to here directed you to your job and some other fulfilling things. And, if, and if, it's, if there's something unfulfilled, well, then pray to God about it. Acknowledge him and uh, watch that come about. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Uh, it seems like when we, we're learning to trust him in the earlier verses, and as we trust him, we get to know him better, and we have a reverential awe of him, which causes us to fear him, which in, in the closer we draw to him, the further we get away from evil. So it's kind of a cycle that just as you trust the Lord and get to know him better, you fear him. And you know that that word fear means hold him in awe, respect him. Realize that he is a God of justice. And if, if, if he knows my mind and my mind's not thinking good thoughts, my reverential fear of God is going to uh, cast... Uh, Cast every thought away that's not good and go back to him. This is a wonderful boundary for us to know that, to, to fear the Lord and depart from evil. There's been many a time, I'm sure you have too, that I've departed from evil only because I know that there would be consequences for that and I love him too, you know. Those are the reasons. So uh, then verse... Uh, so be not wise in your own eyes. I'm, I'm probably throwing, away, throwing around a little bit too much New Testament, but this, this verse was, was so similar to me when the context is Paul is in chapter, writing Romans, he's in chapter 12. He's getting them prepared for the gifts to minister to each other. So this is what we're going from Proverbs um, back 
thousands of years ago to about 2,000 years ago when Paul was writing Romans. And the church was here. And God's going to gift special. He gifts everybody. We, did, we do know that everybody this spirit, that, that has the spirit of God in him has some gift. It may be music or teaching or the gift of uh, uh, helps or hospitality. And he says this to those people. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And it's a beautiful thing to recognize in others their gifting. But we're not to, uh, this is the, uh, uh, this is the, Humility part that he wants to build into us, and we, we submit to that and understand, yeah, don't think too highly of yourself. It certainly is an easy thing to do because we're prideful sinners, but he, that doesn't mean he can't work that out over the year after year and truly make us um, wiser in that respect. Don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then it shall, I think this is another Hebrew idiom in verse 8, it says, It shall be health to your navel. And marrow to your bones. It really, if you put those two together, you know, like, hey man, even my bones feel better. It's just an inner glow, an inner feeling is the Hebrew idiom that you're so blessed. Kind of like what Jesus said, blessed are you when this happens. Deep down inside, you're, you're blessed and you know it. So look where this started. It started in uh, Proverbs th- uh, 3 verse 1 where he says, my son, keep my commandments. And now we're in Proverbs 3 verse 8 where it says... Uh, it shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. So he, uh, I'm, hopefully we're understanding what a fulfilled and pur- purposeful life we have. Uh, we have eternal, secure hope. Uh, we are blessed for obeying God, for following his word. I, you know, we've been in this journey now with you all for about five years. And it's just so encouraging to get to know you all better and to see the blessings that come into your life. And the, the contrast between the world and God's people and that we are filled with a hope uh, that's very special. We know that uh, even though we have trials and tribulations here, uh, this is health to my navel and marrow to my bones. I, I sit over there. You know where Gene and I sit. And on Jeff is such a, in my opinion, a gifted teacher. I've always received something from him, from the, from the Lord through him, that is a blessing to my soul. And you know what I mean by that, because you're a Christian who loves the Word of God, too. I even, hopefully not in a rude way, but I'm watching Jeff. I'm looking at my Bible. But I like to glance over here sometime and get a side profile of Christians uh, who have a sincere love of the Word of God. Just as if uh, a baby on milk, as Peter would say. So... It's a beautiful thing that uh, I I meant to pause on this a little more. My words are not as clear as that hope, but uh, think of that verse 8. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Have you felt that, that blessing that comes with obeying the Lord, fellowshiping with his people? Uh, And now we get to a little bit of a different uh, kind of changing gears, but same God, same spirit. Verse 9 says, uh, Honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits of all your increase. And you know, this is another way that we can show our practical trust and faith in God because we all have limited budgets and every one of us would, you know, on a greedy side would like to say, I'd, I'd better save up. I don't know what it's going to be like uh, when I totally retire and can't work or what if this happens, what if that happens. But God loves a cheerful giver and he puts in our heart, it's his work, not ours. And I'm so thankful. It's God who works in you both to will and to do is his good pleasure. I mean, is that not a win-win thing? I believe my heart has been transformed 
in the last few years over giving. And we're not here to brag and say, who gives the most? How much do you give? I'm just telling you that God has done a work in our hearts to be cheerful. You know that word means hilarious. Like It, it reminds me when Sarah and Abraham found out that they were going to have a child at 90 and 100, and Sarah laughed. It's like, that's ridiculous. That's amazing. And, uh, it, and, and it's hilarious that what God can do with money and then give it back to us, you know. And Gene and I have been in situations where we're, we've watched very closely where our next dollars were coming from. And so we know the value of $20 or whatever. And it's just a beautiful thing. And here's another way God has, and uh, maybe this is how he makes us a cheerful giver, is when he gives an understanding to a secret cho- a seeking children how wonderful it is to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. I know, again, the world, they may, may, they may go to work and they, they're just building a, a little building here. It's not going to last forever. It's bore me to death and I hate work and I can't wait to retire. But if you flip that around and see from God's eyes, the things I'm doing, he's got me to do because I being in the way, the Lord led me. I get to teach children. I drive a school bus. I love doing that. And the money that we get not only pays our bills, but I, we can... Uh, First of all, our first obligation is to the local church, of course, and that's where we bring it with, uh, with the money that we bring. That's the way Gene and I understand it, at least. And if we've got something on top of that that we can give, um, uh, I'm about finished. I know that y'all are usually gone by about this time, but I, I want to tell you this would kind of put a little cherry on top for me to make it, you know, it's good to teach the Word of God and then maybe sometimes give it a little window in that why are you so excited about that? But... Oh. <laughs> Excuse me, now I just can't drink. I just need a drink. <laughs> as I was growing up as a young man, I had a wonderful family, brothers and sisters and father and mother. And had, we were quite wealthy. I didn't know it looking back on it. But uh, I had a heart for orphans and got to go to a few orphanages, and it really touched my heart. And um, so that was when I was about 14 or 15. I'd read this, this called Cal Farley's Boys Ranch, and it's in, near Amarillo, Texas, about 40 miles north of Amarillo. And I always had it in my heart to go there, even though I'd been to some other orphanages. These were prototypes. He's a Christian man who died about 40 years ago, but he started this wonderful boys, and it's, it's where they'd grow up and they'd have a family there. They lived in families, uh, cabins of, uh, you know, a, a mother, a father, and uh, eight of the boys, and they'd, they'd teach them how to work. They loved them, but they had tough love. They disciplined them. I just love that t- prototype. It's still there. It's growing. It's just huge and wonderful. So when I was 22 years old, it was still on my heart, and I'd just finished teaching my first year in Dallas, and I had a few days before I was going to be a best man in my friend's wedding. And so I thought, okay, I've got three days, and I love to ride my bike. I'm going to put my bike in a box and take a bus Greyhound from Dallas to Amarillo, get off. The bus arrived at 4 in the morning at Amarillo, and I put my bike back together. I had to crack it down to put it in the box. I, I hate to spend too much time away from the Word of God because I've got a few things more to say, but I'll wrap it up here. So I rode out. I pictured in my mind that I was going to go through these convenience stores about every two or three hours and get grabbed by another Dr. Pepper and had a hat and stop at the rest side where the trees are. It was strictly desert from, from the bus station, about, about 200, 200 uh, yards north of the bus station, I started going, and I saw the mile, you know, like uh, Cal Farley's Boar's Ranch, 
30 miles, 28 miles. So, and, it, and it would never, a shade tree, never a water. And that was before we all brought water everywhere. So I arrived in the afternoon just dead tired. But I'll fast forward and just tell you that I, I got a tour. I love that place. And now, and, and then that was it. We sent them a little bit of money during the lean years, but I'd forgotten about that. And so that was when I was 22. And about four years ago, I was 65. And, and I said, Gene, let's go out to Amarillo and see how far this boys ran. So we took the car this time. <laughs> it was easier. But I was walking on holy ground. I, saw, I showed Gene the tree where I collapsed when I came in there on that pike. And, and I, got to meet, I got to meet everybody. And now we're able to, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we send them money every month. And I feel like I'm there. <laughs> And I hope that you can understand how wonderful it is to give to a cause that you might love. Maybe there's unborn babies that we can't, we're not doctors or anything like that. They're in their mothers. We need to teach them. There's so many organizations out there. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase. And I'm a hilarious giver right now. And I'm thankful for God's done that in my life. And I know a lot of y'all are too. I'm so thankful for that. And he has... Uh, build our barns with plenty and thy presses with burst out with new wine. That's what Proverbs says, and it's so true. I love it when the word of God comes alive in my heart. <laughs> and then the last thing we'll finish up on here, I guess, because it is getting 730. But uh, there, is a, there is a chastening, a correction, a loving uh, discipline, even instruction. It doesn't have to be a discipline like you're thinking real hard, but this all falls in the category of correcting, discipline, instructing. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be wary of his correction. And how, you know, how we respond to correction is key. My father and I went hiking in Colorado when I was 21, and uh, we came to the Continental Divide, and I thought it was amazing to stand at a place where you could spit this way or pour some water that way, and it'd go to the Pacific, and do it two feet this way and it'll go to the Atlantic and just the, the triple effect. And, you know, I see a lot of these young kids on my bus I drive and when I correct them, they're going to go one way or the other. It's either the, the Bible's very clear in Proverbs especially, it's either the way of the fool or the way of the wise, the way of the world or the wisdom way, the, the God's way. And, and we're going the wrong way when we don't see, and I see this in young men, I see it in young ladies, I can tell when I correct them. I didn't do it, you know, they'll first of all not even take... Uh, the, the reasonable words to say, I know you saw it and I did it. They'll deny it. They'll get real mad at it in correction and we go on and on. But that's huge how we respond to correction, isn't it, in our lives. And the last, the last few things are just happy as the man that finds wisdom. You know, wisdom is the personification of Christ. You know in Proverbs when it's talking about wisdom, it's talking about Christ. Look at verse 13. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. The merchandise is better than silver and gold. Uh, think of all the hard things people have done to mine gold and silver, and yet these things are, are better than that. And she is more, wisdom is, verse 15 says, she's more precious than rubies, and all the things that you can desire are not to be compared to her. Um, I saw a commentary that said, why didn't they say diamonds instead of rubies? Diamonds is what we considered the, the special that thing. But God knew this. Man can make diamonds. They, they can do that nowadays. I don't know how long ago they started doing that, but God would know that. It's mentioned the rubies. Only God can make rubies, and only God can give wisdom. And so, as we end, I want you to turn. We're in Proverbs 3. Look at, uh, I'm, I'm talking about all these wonderful things, uh, length of days, and her ways are, 17 says her ways of pleasantness, but 
Here's the point, and I've said I'm going to close two or three times. Here's the point. I'm going to close on. Hold me to it. <laughs> pull, get a rope and pull me off. Um, <clears throat> when you mine for silver or gold or, or rubies or anything, there's always a price to pay. There's always a diligent searching. There's always a, a danger to that and that sort of thing. So in Proverbs chapter 2, I, uh, I want you to read with me and, it, and listen to all the action words in chapter 2. We're going to read four or five verses here. My son, if you will receive my words and hide thy commandments in the heart with thee so that you incline... Listen to all the action here. It doesn't come easy, what I'm saying. It's not a, a thing that happens after 40 years automatically. And that's what's beautiful about it. It's like going over a hurdle. Don't you love to see the Olympian hurdles, the high school hurdlers? They go after one and they go after another and they go after another and they're not done, but they're focused and they're doing it. This is wisdom, y'all. It's not easy. But look at the things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect on one thing that, I, that Jeff... I almost stood up in my seat. I should have if I was more charismatic. I said, preach on, brother. I've never had been closer than last Sunday when he did this. I'm going to tell you where it was, though. It says, verse 2, um, so incline your ear unto wisdom. Apply your heart to understanding. Yea, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding. Do you get the picture? This is not something that's spoon-fed. I think I'll, I'll, I'll read the Bible for a few minutes and nod off. Now, that's that's very good thing to do. It's better than not. And sometimes at the end of the day is like that. But there is a real diligent search here, like as if you're going for rubies or gold. But it's more precious than that. And verse 4 says, If you seek after her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then shall you understand the fear of the Lord and, and find the, the knowledge of God. I hope to encourage you tonight on that battle. Um, I'm, I'm not, it would be a, a foolish thing to say, you're wise, isn't it? Because you don't say that, you don't brag on that. All I'm saying is that I know God is making us wiser and wiser through the years, and it's through much effort like this, and it's a wonderful thing, because I know that those miners loved it coming back, saying, look what I got. It was hard to get, but I got it. That's what makes it precious. The thing, I, I'm going to refer to Jeff. It's not good to say you're wise. It's not good to tell everybody how much you pray. But in the five years I've known Jeff, I've never heard him say this, but it was so true. When he was preaching Sunday morning, he said, um, he said, I've spent a lot of time praying for that very thing and crying after wisdom. And it just clicked with me. He has. There's a man full of the Spirit, loves the Lord, preaches a strong word of God. How did he get there? This is how he got there. All right. Thank you for being so patient as I went a little longer. So, Lord, we thank you for... Um, the word of God and the, the love that you put in our heart for what is, how it transforms us. And we thank you for the good leadership here and, and the good soldiers, everyone here. I look at them and I know a lot of them clean the bathrooms and a lot of them uh, guard the doors and stay late to lock up. And I'm just so thankful for that. And, and each gift is admirable, Lord. And, and please give us all a heart to admire the other gifts, the singing and the musicians and and the ones who mow the grass, Lord, we're so thankful to be here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.